Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. Oh God, we come on this special day, knowing that, that, that hearts and lives are being changed today, knowing that as our three young ladies stand up to, to profess membership into your holy church, that it guides us and leads us. And Lord, I hope it helps us as, as members of this church to be reinvigorated in our own faith, to know that while there are things out there that, that purposefully goes to divide us, the important thing is that we are united by the love and grace of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we ask that you allow the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here to be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. You know, each year we celebrate resurrection. That, that's what we do as a church because that's what we, we hold as the significant event of, of where we, we base all of this on, Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection, his as ascension into heaven, and sitting at God's right hand. But there's another story that we, we, we share pretty much every year around this time, usually the, the first Sunday after, after Easter, and it's a story about Thomas. And, and when I look at the story about Thomas, I see it as kind of an unusual discipleship story. I think it's a very great lesson. It's a, it's a great lesson for us today, especially as we celebrate confirmation, because there's a lot of stuff that we hear about Thomas that I think really plays into our growth as disciples of Jesus Christ. So our scripture for this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. And I invite you to follow along in your Bibles if you have them or if you want to follow along on the words on the screen. You can do that as well. Hear the word of the Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to him, unless I see the nail marks at his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands in his side, I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the door, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Jesus came and, and told Thomas, Put your fingers here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, the last time that we have seen all the disciples together was on a Thursday. Jesus took them out to the Mount of Olives, and, and Jesus was off praying and had Peter, James, and John's close by, and the other disciples, and including Thomas, were kind of gathered in their own little area. And then, then Jesus was arrested by the Roman soldiers and by the Jewish leaders, and we hear in scriptures that all the disciples just split. They take off. We don't see them together again until we get to this particular passage. We see them all together except for one disciple, and that disciple was Thomas. Now, there are many stories and many uh, figures of, of what happened to Thomas and where he went. One of my favorite ones is said that uh, Thomas wasn't shrinking in fear anywhere, but he actually started to go out and continue to teach, continue to heal, and continue to feed people because that's what Jesus taught him how to do. But honestly, I, I really don't think that happened. There, there, there's something inside of me. I don't know. I, I have no facts. I, I can't back this up. But I believe that when Thomas saw the Roman soldiers coming to, to carry Jesus away for his, for his, for his suffering and for his death, and for his burial, Thomas said, okay, I'm done, I'm out. I, I, I'm going to get as far away as I can because I just don't trust anything around me right now, and I need to keep myself safe. But that lasted about a week. See, we know that this story starts out the, the Easter Sunday. In the evening, when 10 of the 11 disciples are together and Jesus comes to them, and then Thomas just comes, wanders in after all of this amazing thing has happened, and he's told, you won't believe it. Jesus was right here. No, the Jesus was here. It wasn't imagination. It wasn't. We all saw him. It was, it was amazing. We were so glad that we got to see him. And then we know Thomas's answer. So my question is, why, why did Thomas come back? If, if he didn't feel it was okay for him to come back that, that Easter evening, what was it that made Thomas decide to get back with the other disciples? And I think the, the main answer here is a simple one, is that Thomas needed community. He, he needed to be again with those disciples, those that he had done life with for, for the past three years. He, he wanted to be with them because that separation 
was harder than being there in the midst of all the trial and the turmoil. But I don't think it's just being with the rest of the disciples that, that drew Jesus back. It wasn't necessarily that community. But I believe what made Thomas come back was the power of Jesus Christ. It, it was because Jesus had, had touched him in, in such a way and, and was made real to him that he wanted to be with the other community of believers at that time who walked with Jesus, who, who, who talked with him, who, who saw the miracles, who, who heard the teachings. All of those things, he wanted to come back because that power of Christ called him back. You know, sometimes I think the church, we really focus on the, the community aspect of the church. And believe me, I know it, it's extremely important. I, I don't want to take anything away. I, I, I can't wait until we are all back together again and we are worshiping in a new and powerful way. But the only way that that is going to happen is that if everything we do is in Jesus' name. Because, my friends, if we do not have the power of Jesus Christ in our church, then, then we don't have a church. We just have an organization that is just gathering and meeting together so we can pat each other on the back. But unless Jesus is a part of our gathering, we're nothing. We're just a social organization just trying to do good things in the world around us. St. Thomas realized that, that he needed to be with Jesus' people so he could feel that power once again. I also think that Thomas returned because of, of the question. We all know that Thomas is known for being a doubter. You know, I, I loved uh, Wanda's little thing here, just talking about, you know, do you think that I could do that? You know, talking about you know, doubt. How much doubt do we have about stuff, you know? And, and the world is full of doubt. The world has so much doubt around us that, that sometimes it can become so deafening. But what I really hold to Thomas was that Thomas is probably one of the bravest disciples that Jesus had. First and foremost, early in the Gospel of John, he, he's mentioned in the Gospel of John three different times. The first time is when Jesus is talking to going back into Jerusalem. And all of the other disciples are going, I really don't think you want to do that. They, they want to kill you there. And, and when you go into Jerusalem, we can't guarantee or your safety is, is, is out the window. But Thomas stands up and says, no, Lord, if you want to go to Jerusalem, we'll go to Jerusalem with you. That, that, that statement of faith to knowing that he would much rather stand with Jesus and die than turn around and run away from, from, from something that could possibly harm them. The second one comes with uh, a verse that I think we're all extremely familiar with. As a matter of fact, it was one of the verses that we used in our Listen to Him series during Lent from John 14, verses 4 through 6. We have the words here. Jesus is talking to the disciples, and, and he's giving them this long uh, litany of everything that's going to be happening. And then he comes out with this, this statement, you know the way to the place where I'm going. 
And whenever I think of that question, I just start laughing because I can just see the disciples going, we have no idea what you're talking about. But, but they're quiet about it. They're not saying anything. And Thomas finally raises his hand and said, Lord, <laughs> we don't know where you're going. So, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus answers with these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This year, for a confirmation, uh, one of the focuses that, that Wanda and I did is that we went back to an old catechism style of learning. And what I mean by that, you know, we've had uh, curriculums in the past that, that told nice little stories, that, that tried to get the kids entertained and energized of what was going on. And, you know, it, it just was missing the mark for me. And I was missing the mark for Wanda, too. And then we found this uh, study called Absolute Basics of the Christian Life. And then now there's uh, Absolute Basics of the Wesleyan Life that, that we ran the girls all the way through. We watched all the videos, answered all the questions. And for me, seeing the spark in their eyes, seeing the, the, the discussion that this held for them, I saw... For me, I saw their faith exploding. I saw that they were excited to learn, that they wanted to learn, that they wanted to, to be a part of what was going on. I, I'm hoping, and maybe I can talk to Lindsay about this, that we make the entire youth group go through the absolute basics of the Christian life and then have them do the, no, not, okay. But no, seriously, I, I think it's important. And we, have, I mean, we may have an adult class where we go through all of these because it is so important to know what it is that we believe. Some of the questions that we have are like this. This is the very first question. Who is God? You know, sometimes it's hard for us to really fathom or, or put into words who God is. We know that God, as the answer is, God is the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one God. And we had a rich discussion about that. And then, then the scripture that we used to, to kind of help reinforce that, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And then one more question. This is question number seven. What is salvation? Through Jesus' sacrificial death and victorious resurrection, we are reconciled with God and rescued from destruction. And the scripture to, to kind of back this up, 1 Timothy 2, 5, and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself up as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. So all of these 18 questions, you see the red words, we would block those out, and the kids would have to tell us what the words were as, as we move through, and they were just getting it like this. That's knowing the faith, but what really matters is taking that, that knowledge that we have and being able to, to make that come alive in our lives. One thing that I know is that the world loves to ask questions. And I, I'm not opposed to being asked questions. 
But I think one of the main reasons why the world asks questions is so that they can continue to ask more questions and more questions. They don't care about the answers. They just want to see how they can trip people up and make people think that we need to hold on to what the world says and not really place our faith and trust in Jesus. Asking questions is so important. And, and when we take a look at Thomas as somebody who asked questions instead of somebody that doubted, we see him in a different light, giving us the opportunity to say, God, you know, I really have no idea what's going on here, but I will continue to hold on to you and allow you to guide me and shape me and mold me so that I can live faithfully as your disciple. You know, finally, I think the last reason that Thomas came back wasn't for him, but it was for us. It, it was an opportunity for us to grow in our faith. You know, in our scripture this morning, Jesus said, stop doubting and believe. I don't think he's saying that to Thomas. He, he's saying that to us. We, we don't have the opportunity to see the bodily Christ in, in front of us, but we have the stories and, and, and the, the actions and the faith of those who have come in front of us that Jesus looks at us and says, stop doubting and believe. There, there is a great cloud of witness that is before you that has proclaimed what I have done, and I'm sure if you were to stop and think and realize you have seen me active in your life as well. See, Jesus isn't rebuking Thomas, but he's encouraging us. He's encouraging us for that very last line of the passage, blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Blessed are those who, who have not seen but know and believe that Jesus is active in our lives. My friends and my confirmands, I hate to tell you this word, but it's a word that you need to know. Faith is hard. Faith can be so difficult, especially when you have a world that wants to divide you, when you have a world that, that tells you that what you believe doesn't matter, when you have a world that tells you that you can do it on your own and be just fine. But holding on to that faith is the most powerful thing that you can do. And I pray that as we move through this confirmation ceremony, you hold on to your faith so hard that you know that the power and love of Jesus Christ will get you through anything. may not be the, the result that you want, but Christ will always be there by your side. 
I think that's why it's important to, to take a look at the rest of the story uh, of who Thomas was. See, Thomas, he, he just didn't just fade out. If we look in the book of Acts, we really don't see anything of him being mentioned. But, but we know that where Thomas went, he was a very powerful force in spreading the gospel. Thomas went to India, and he was very prolific in sharing the gospel in India. It even said that he even made it into China to share the gospel there way back, way back when. So for me, the challenge of Thomas isn't just to say that I believe and, and that I know that Jesus is the way and the truth of life now because he has told me that, but how we are called to share that good news with others. I think about a good family friend of Tracy and my name, uh, Danielle. Danielle is a uh, missionary, and, and she is currently living in Bolivia. I remember about five, six years ago after she uh, graduated from college, she went to her mom and dad and said, I feel called to go to Bolivia. And her mom and dad were like, what? What is in Bolivia? They said, well, there, there are orphans there. And, and they need the love of Jesus in their life. So she moved down to Bolivia. And, and, and over the past five years, you know, with the pandemic and everything going on down there, uh, there's been a lot of uh, political unrest in, in, in Bolivia, too. And, and she and now her husband, Franco, are keeping, they're churning along, and, and they are making disciples as they witness to these little kids and to, to parents that are in the community, sharing the love and grace of Jesus Christ with them in a powerful and significant way. Now, parents, don't think that I'm telling your confirmands to go to Bolivia or to go to some third world country because they've been confirmed. But what I am telling each and every one of them is that there is a mission field right outside of these walls. And they have an opportunity to impact the world with the love and grace of Jesus Christ. You know, before we started each confirmation class, before Wanda would get there, before the girls would get there, I would sit there and I would pray. And my prayer was, and I've done this with all of my confirmation classes, that, that I pray that, that, that the love and grace of Jesus Christ would infect these students. For they are empowered to share God's love and grace to the world around them. And yeah, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be easy just to try to pick up your, your tent and, and go home. But we have an example through Thomas that, that, that while he may have had questions and while he may have, have wandered away but, but came back, he knew that the risen Christ was there for him and he was going to share that risen Christ with others. Let us pray. Oh God, as we prepare to move our way into this confirmation celebration, as we move through the liturgy, I pray that we have the, the faith and hope, just like Thomas, 
We'll have times that we'll wander. We'll have times that, that, that we will need to, or, or we, will, we will move away from, from a community, from, from life, but help us to know that we are beckoned to come back. Not because of how great groups are, but because of the power and love of Jesus Christ. We are thankful that, that you use the Holy Spirit in him, and I pray that you pour out the Holy Spirit on all of us so that we may boldly proclaim Christ to the world around us and allow them to experience the love and grace that we all have. So, Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your power, and we thank you for how you continue to watch over us, O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen.